They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, you're never going to believe how this episode ends. Secrets of the Legion of Superheroes, number two. RJ Brand is dying! Published February 1981. Written by E. Nelson Bridwell on plot, Paul Kupperberg on script. Art by Jimmy James. Synopsis. Brand's secret is revealed. Changing a Legionnaire's life forever! Oh, we've got a part two and part three of Secrets of the Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. From DC Comics, mm-hmm. 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, e. Nelson Bridwell and Paul uh, Cooperberg or Cupperberg, yeah, as well as uh, Jimmy Janes doing their thing. And uh, hey, welcome back to the Clip Show, everybody! I should just pull clips from all of our previous episodes <laughs> and just slap them you together just here. Assemble it out of us talking about the original stories. You. Yeah. You know, honestly, I would have recommended you do that, except it would have been just an insane amount of work for, like, no payback, which I suppose would have been appropriate I mean, maybe, for the series. Maybe for the gag. I think maybe for the gag. I think it would be the best thing. But uh, here <laughs> we go. Uh, you know, last time we had everybody, uh, the Legion members had converged on Legion HQ, and they found Marla and uh, Arla, whatever her name is, uh, going Arlo through Guthrie. the membership records, checking out the membership lineup one by one in the order that they joined. And now this week, and this is the problem that I have with this storytelling method mm-hmm. uh, in this uh, issue, in, in issues two and three. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to find de facto proof of something, you would want to go to the records, right? You would want to go to the actual right. record where it says, you know, uh, Steve Austin, astronaut, you know, and it gives you every little bit that you need to know about Steve Austin and how he crashed and how he was rebuilt bigger, stronger, faster, better. The $6 million man. How, yeah. How he learned the stone cold stunner, all these things are important. Yes. But instead they have the writers of this debacle (laughs) have the Legion members tell Marla their origin story, which is, If you're in an investigation, if you're trying to find out who murdered R.J. Brand, Mm -hmm. then you wouldn't want the potential criminal to say, oh, yeah, I was born a poor man in Kentucky. And then (laughs) one day I was struck in the head and I became a Legion member because that is so full of, you know, false narrative. And, you know, what 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 are we being told or not told in this? And so that is a horrible way. To do that, I kind of wish they would have just continued this whole thing and waited until the third issue before they the Legion converged so that we get these backstories without without the, the faltering. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really I really had a problem with that. It's like there's no way that I would want uh, as wonderful as she is. There's no way that I would want shrinking Violet to tell me her story or uh, uh, Timberwolf to tell me his origin story or Sunboy to tell me mm-hmm. his origin story, which as I read Sunboy's origin story, is that a rewrite? Cause I could have swore it was his dad that put him in the microwave oven and not somebody else. No, it was Dr. Regulus. Um, his dad sent him, uh, there is a slight rewrite in this issue. Sunboy origin in that 
in the original story, as it was told in Adventure 348, uh, Sunboy's dad put him in charge of the nuclear facility. Ah, whereas in hold this on, one, son. I'm going to go, I'm going to go hang out with my friends down at the, uh, down at the bar. I'm going to leave you in control of the nuclear reactor. I'll, I'll be back. But later. his dad, in won't. this one, his dad had him as a delivery boy. And, you know, in the original story, he <laughs> and his friend Drac or Frag <laughs> he or drank, something. He drank the formula that turned him into Sunboy. Drac was killed in both stories. And then Dirk was thrown in a reactor by Dr. Regulus, who his dad was going to fire. And right. so Dr. Regulus was killing Dirk to get revenge on his dad, but the radiation didn't kill him. It just turned him into a sun boy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an overview of, uh, all the Legionnaires. Wait yeah. a minute. Legionnaires. You know, that Legionnaires actually has a ring to it. I kind of like that. I wonder if, if they ever thought about, instead of the Legion of Superheroes, if they ever decided to, Named the title Legionnaires. I really Man, like that, they, that title. They would never do that. I, I think they really like should. I mean, that would be like, that would be like the yeah. smartest move DC could have ever made. Maybe, but. maybe in an alternate universe. Maybe. So we get, we get, you know, every member lined up and their tail is spit out. And everyone is like, so Marla, what do you think of that origin story? And Marla's like, I'm still not telling you <laughs> what I need to tell you. And they're like, why not? He goes, because I don't know all your origin stories yet. And they're like, well, we'll tell you one more. Have you heard of Pharaoh lad? Oh, wait, that's issue three when all the dead Legion is represented. <laughs> yeah, it's yeesh. this. This issue has a couple of interesting moments for me because um, we do get some information that we hadn't had before, but none of it is like super important information. But Brainiac Five, we actually track down the Brainiac lining. Yeah, lining, the lineage, lineage. of uh, yeah of uh, Brainiac yeah. Five all the way back to right. the original Brainiac, and then how that was a robot and how they right. um, enslaved Kulans. And then all of a sudden the, the Kaluans uh, decided that they'd had enough and they rose up against their robot overlords and decided to become 12th level intellect robots. I don't, not really sure how that works, but that's how essentially, they essentially, yeah, the, the Kaluans didn't want to be controlled by the robot, but they wanted to be controlled or they wanted to be linked through their giant central computer. Um, but it's interesting here that this is one of the first times we see an explanation of the, Oh, right. Brainiac, when we initially created Brainiac 5, was not known to be an android. So right. this shows us uh, Brainiac's sidekick, Vrildox, who eventually becomes uh, Brainiac 2. Right. And then Vril's son is identified as Pran in this issue. And then, of course, his grandson, Kaz, and then his great-grandson, Brainiac 5, Quirrell. Uh, Kaj does appear again as Brainiac's father, but it's interesting to me that, uh, no, we that just the got Brainiac's through. father is uh, what's his name flying through the universe on his silver, silver surfboard playing his no. electric guitar. Pulsar Stargrave. And that's the thing. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, but the Pulsar Stargrave, I am your father moment actually does get resolved. It just doesn't get resolved until after this story, but yeah, oh, this certainly really not. And certainly not in this uh, secrets of the Legion of uh, superheroes because DC <laughs> actually wanted readers to continue to read the book. Casual <laughs> <laughs> has come back, but Pran, uh, yeah. was renamed Lural, uh, when the, wait, I thought, was uh, Pran was later renamed Vrildrox. 
No, I misread it. Uh, Vril is Brainiac 2. Vril eventually Yeah, because he goes on to do the Legion. the Legion. Yeah, and that yeah. was the thing, what, Legion 93, 92, 91, something like that. Yeah. So Vril, Vril is Brainiac 2. Pren is Vril's son. Kaj is Brainiac's, or is Vril's grandson, Brainiac yeah. 4. Right. And then Kaj's son is Quirrell, Brainiac 5, right. I think. Uh, it's interesting to me, though, that even as I'm going through this, I'm not sure. Uh, Isn't so, there? Yeah. I seem to remember, <laughs> and I bet you Legion Omnicon will be able to uh, correct me on this. I could have swore oh, somewhere sure. in either a cartoon series or mm-hmm. a comic book series, they were making fun of, and it may have even been Legion, that they were making fun of the lineage of Brainiac 1, 5, and there's like a Brainiac 12 who is mm-hmm. actually like, yeah, uh, actually, I am the uh, progenitor of all the Brainiacs, and I am Brainiac 12, but then my descendant, we decided to name Brainiac 11, and then so on and so forth, until you got down <laughs> to Brainiac 1. Is there a story like that, or am I totally imagining that? I think you may be imagining it, but it's entirely possible that you saw something that I didn't. I know that I'm not 100% familiar with uh, Justice League Unlimited, uh, mm. Legion of Superheroes, and they have one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the justice league, justice league, excuse me, the Legion of superheroes cartoon from 2006 does have Brainiac and Brainiac five, but it doesn't really address the lineage in between. Mm. And, and I'm pretty and, sure that and do in they the ever revamp Legion, uh, in the revamped Legion that you grew up with, uh, 20 years after I grew up, which is weird, but Hey, what are you going to do? Uh, Brainiac four is actually Quirrell's mom rather than his dad. Mm-hmm. Do they ever so uh, explain the white monkey? The ever explain the white monkey in, in any of this? Coco? Yeah. yeah. Coco's just a dude. Is he Is he the one that assembled the Brainiac uh, entity as we know it today? <laughs> Thus proving <laughs> that he is the smartest of all primates. Coco does date back to a very early Brainiac story. Yeah. Uh, but they used him as a running gag with Brainiac yeah. 5 in the, in the post-relaunch. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that. I guess the thing that I still have a problem with, the thing that mm -hmm. I still have a problem with in this is, and I know, maybe I'm an earthist. You are. uh, But I still have a problem with them saying that Brainiac is a human and uh, Saturn Girl is a human. No, she's a a, a Saturian, Uh, just Mm -hmm. like uh, uh, Brainiac is a Kaluan. They're they're not Mm -hmm. humans. Well, and, I, and we haven't, unless there's that Star Trek episode coming up where it's like, we are the androgynous uh, alien that seeded all of your worlds. And that's why you all have two legs and two eyes and two arms. You want me to spoiler it? Cause I could. Yes, please. Because my God, it, yeah, it that, drives me up the wall. Oh, really? God. Yeah, that exactly, that exact <laughs> thing did happen. And you know who that androgynous alien was? Uh, Mark Wade. Lark and. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah I can see so, that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that happens after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, but before the reboot into the post-zero-hour Legion. Yeah. So it is at least technically part of this Legion continuity. I don't know. It still uh, so, drives me yeah, up the it, wall it, it at this point. Yeah, it did happen. I can spoil that for you because, you know, I'm like I'm Because like you don't variety. call someone from Mars a human. You call them Martians. I think uh, the way they're using human here really feels like they're using it as uh, two arms, two legs, analogous two eyes. to humanoid. Yeah, rather than human. Maybe but they should maybe they should use humanoid. 
You know, and you pointed out that if you go to the source, uh, you you might get characters who lie. But this also has a couple of actual factual errors in it because Karate Kid refers to the sensei who taught him by the name of the Black Dragon, which I think is uh, really kind of confusing. Although you know the story itself is kind of confusing, but you remember the Black Dragon f- killed Val's father. The yeah. black dragon was named Kirao Nezumi. And in this story, they identify uh, the sensei, Japan's greatest hero, who raised Val as Kirao Nezumi. And I'm just like, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong and bad. What are you doing, guys? But also in this issue, we do see Asian characters who are not bright yellow. So paper fades, yeah, I, I think. That's <laughs> yeah, but it turns browner as it goes. Well, that's true, too. Um, yeah, they, do, I did notice that, that they wonderful Legion moment where karate kid, uh, slams Superboy into the wall just because yeah. he, well, yeah. just because Jim shooter. I mean, I do like going back to the karate kid bit. I do like that. They attempted at least a little mm-hmm. bit more to make karate kid and everyone else in that, in that flashback look more Asian without just resulting to orange or yellow or whatever color that they, that they use mm-hmm. for Asian people before this. Uh, so that, uh, that, that's R70, nice. R75, uh, Y25, I believe was yeah. the color they use. Probably the, there's two other things that I find that are probably most important in this issue. Uh, the first one mm-hmm. is this giant double, uh, double page spread of the Legion Plaza that has, yes. you know, they don't quite do a Jack Kirby. This is the fantastic four building, which I kind of wish Jack Kirby would have done that to the Legion at some point. Cause that would have looked right. awesome. Uh, <laughs> nor had they, nor did they do anything. And I, you know, George Perez has not, uh, gotten to this point yet, but you know, George Perez used to do some fantastic exteriors and fantastic interiors of buildings. And so it's almost yeah. like, oh man, he would have been great to do a Legion Plaza, either one of those two. But in this case, we got Jimmy Janes and he's like, well, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Legion headquarters. And you'll notice over there, there's some missiles that they can fire and there's the space launch pad. And if you look to your left, there's a big old building where they, they go and they train. And if you notice and look closely, you may see an atrium on top of that. And then if you look over here and it's just kind of like, it's impressive Mm -hmm. just because of the scale of what they're doing, but it's really, in my opinion, lacking a lot of details that we would have seen in a Perez or a Kirby rendition of Legion Plaza. Yeah, and it doesn't even have like the Elliot Brown cutaways from like the the Marvel yeah. handbooks, but uh-huh. it does explain some things that, you know, didn't necessarily make sense and it at least explains things like, you know, there's a a separate dormitory building with quarters and there's a separate area for training and the the Legion Academy building and mm-hmm. I like that because again, all of the stuff that we know of the Legion used to exist in, you know, a tiny two-story uh, little spaceship. So little rocket ship. It's, it's bigger nice. on the inside. Well, sure, everything is. Yeah. But that's that's actually really nice. I feel like, uh, and I think you made the comment uh, that this two-page spread is the best part of the issue. You are correct. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the, mean, only, the only other element that I find really interesting, and again, here's the thing, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again probably before the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. What this three issue mini does is brilliant from what its intention is. The intention of this is to say, Hey there, young reader. I know that 280 some episodes or issues of a Legion action probably intimidates you. 
Here's a great jumping on point where you can learn who all of these kids are. So when you come back and read uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes or just Legion of Superheroes 272, you'll be all caught up. And so it's a great marketing gimmick and it's a great way to get people who are intimidated by, you know, at this point, 30 years of Legion lore uh, to get into the piece. But if you are someone uh, who has been reading the Legion since the 50s and it's now the 1980s, first of all, what's wrong with you? Uh, second of all, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so you probably already know who all those members are. This mm-hmm. might serve then instead of something where you're going to find new information because mm-hmm. there's really no information if you already know it, but it might serve as a great reference, uh, material for you so that you're like, Hmm, yeah. I wonder what order they went in and you don't have to go back through 300, uh, comic book pages. You can just go right to this and you can say, Oh, here's the order in which they, uh, enrolled, you can go in and find, ah, now what planet was, uh, uh, was Phantom Girl from? Oh, Imps, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I've, I've got all of that. And so it could be a great girl is from bug tussle. Thinking Violet is from Imps. Quiet. Stop it. Uh, so this could serve as a great, along with your jokes, but I will not allow you to, to, this is a great, this is a great, I think reference guide for people who are already fans. But if you've been reading these issues back to back to back to back for the last four years, uh, granted, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I'll forget some little tidbit of who threw who in the microwave, but this is in my mind, a little infuriating just because we've kind of rehashed this stuff again and again and again. So, but what it is, is brilliant. And I think they executed it. Well, I find it incredibly dry and boring. The only two things that are interesting is the double page spread and the very mm-hmm. last page when they're like, all right, Marla, I think we've told you enough. And he's like, no, you don't understand. We're looking for RJ Brand's uh, son because the transfusion can save his life. And they're like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> what? We've never heard this before. This is never. scary and amazing. This is oh, new information. I know. And then they make us hang on for a whole other month, but you don't have to, because we're going to talk about issue three right here where they're like, wait a minute. Uh, have you heard about all the dead Legion members? And so then we, then we get to know about all the dead Legion members. I think at this point, all three of them, three of them. Yes. And then they're like, oh, and we haven't told you about all the rejects and what they're up to. And so then we get all the rejects and what they did. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. What about all of the substitute heroes? And then we spend an inordinate amount of time learning about Lana Lang and her bee queen thing. And just stuff that's not important. Insect queen. The thing that I really find interesting about this issue is that, um, do you remember, it wasn't that many episodes ago when we did that Legion tabloid, the big giant Legion yeah. tabloid mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Rans and yeah, they got married. A lot of the visual reference in here that Jimmy Janes is using is from that Legion tabloid. Well, and so which I includes think includes, yeah, the exact pose that Tyrock is using his powers in, but more importantly, it includes an incorrect costume for Pharaoh Lad. He could have changed Pharaoh Lad's costume had those two, but he didn't. He died. He I died mean, in a costume that had two I think rows there of rivets. Is a going whole straight episode where he comes back as a ghost and still has straight rivets all the way. No, down but after that, belt. he was like, after that, he saw his reflection in the mirror and was like, "What am I doing?" And he went and changed his costume. He's dead. It's the afterlife. No. So here's the thing. Uh, remember what I said just a moment ago about one of the great things about this three issue miniseries 
for older sure. readers is it serves Let's as a great reference point for people to go back to. And likewise, if you're wanting to see all of the Legion members in one place, the most previous issue that you could see that in was that big wedding anniversary issue where you had basically all of this stuff again. Um, but you know, in a form where you can say, okay, I need to find a reference for Pharaoh Lad. I'm not going to dig back through 200 issues of comics to find the last appearance of Pharaoh Lad and try to draw him from that. I'm going to go to this last time that we know he was in print and I'm going to go mm-hmm. from that. And so, you know, as we move forward, uh, I think we look at books like the, uh, the big, uh, wedding issue. And we look at these mini series as again, these reference points, not only for readers, but also for artists to go, okay, now what, what's this guy's deal? And I can quickly flip mm-hmm. through uh, issue three and I can fall and find all about Polar Boy that right. I need to move forward. And so, you know, we talked, I think last episode that. One critical tone will be a different show. Uh, no, that's a different show. Uh, I think we talked in the last uh, episode that it really felt like uh, in 271 that this was a the end moment. I mm-hmm. would say that we are in kind of a, I don't want to say a version 1.5, but it really feels like we're in a decimal point version of the Legion where it's like, okay, <laughs> from this point until we decide to change things up again with uh, five years later in Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, mm-hmm. that this is kind of that reboot starting point for the Legion. And so, yes, uh, you know, you're right. There is a costume error error here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is because is. of the last reference uh, journal or the last reference point that we have for this. And I'm going to bet in a future issue appearance of Pharaoh lad, if he ever shows back up again, I mean, he's dead. He can still come back uh, that they may also <laughs> go back and reference this and say, Oh, this is how his costume is supposed to be. Interesting. I mean, that's the, we'll have that's to watch the, for that. Yeah. I mean, that is something that, I mean, we see happen all the time. What well, you know, they send you a stack of comics. Well, they only have to send you like three issues here and they don't have to send you Mm -hmm. 40 issues to get your, your backstory on what's going on. Speaking of costumes though, go ahead. No, you, I was going to say, speaking of costumes, Phantom girl in this, I still think that this is one of the best, uh, costumes of all the Legion members of all time. And the reason why I say that is number one, it looks modern uh you got the the cutouts on the arms and down the legs and everything it still kind of has a little bit of a 70s vibe to it which is fine um but it's the one that makes her look the most adult and the most normal mm-hmm. without trying to push into a an area of um hypersexuality or creepiness factor or something like that uh it feels almost a little bit like when wonder woman went mod uh to an extent yes. i mean it's an all white costume and everything but I, I like Phantom Girl's costume and always have of, you know, of this version of the Legion. Uh, I've always thought that this styling was was the perfect costume. It doesn't rely. I mean, this is something that she could go out into public and people would just be thinking that she's wearing regular clothes. She doesn't have really anything on there that signifies that she's a superhero. There's nothing in here that might uh, cause, you know, parents to cover their eyes, uh, their children's eyes as she walks by. Uh, so I think that it it is really just a solid freaking costume, even though it is the plainest of all the costumes that we see. I agree. I feel like there's a simplicity to it. And it's one of those Dave Cockrum designs that Cockrum stuff is a hard to draw, but B kind of universal. If you look at costumes like Phoenix, 
uh, the Jean Grey Phoenix. That's another one where everything about it, you know, just screams out that it's this perfect superhero suit. Or if you look at the redesign that he did for Karate Kid, you can complain all you want about, you know, the big thing blocking your view in each direction, but that's a great suit and it sticks around for decades. And the reason why is it just looks cool. And I feel like you get to a point in, you know, here where his Colossal Boy design has been messed with, his Star Boy design has been messed with, his Wildfire design has been messed with, but that Phantom Girl, everybody knows to leave that alone. Yeah. Now, the only other costume that I would think that is also a very good costume is Star Boy's costume. Just the black mm-hmm. costume with the Field of Stars. I think that one looks really cool, too. Right um, now, they're doing a thing where he has a deep cut V down yeah. to his belly button. Yeah, I'm not Because, you know, it's, it, we're still naked Legion for about another yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so something, the sun's going to explode and some of the Legion members have to take off and Marla's all yeah. freaked out because he's like, no, Just, you don't understand. It's just like Brainiac's thing of, could it be murder? It's just cheap drama for, you know, cheap kind of melodrama almost. Oh no, this star is going to blow up, but it's one of the ones that RJ Brand made. So rather oh, man, than this just guy. these, yeah, it's, it's like rather than just these selfish legionnaires trying to save one man's life, now they have to keep a son from going Nova and killing, you know, various civilizations. Yeah. Oh man. RJ brand going around, uh, shopping around his shoddy products, having sons blow up. I mean, this is like bad. This is bad for the RJ brand brand. The RJ brand, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, turns out that, uh, you know, Marla doubles down on the, he's not a human and everyone's like, oh, wait a minute. The only person who's not really human in our group is Prody, but he's dead. That only leaves chameleon boy, but chameleon boys off saving the sun. And they're like, but if he doesn't get back here in 10 seconds and do a transfusion, RJ Brand will die. And then Chameleon Boy finds out and he's like, wait a minute, how could RJ Brand be my dad? And then they have to explain a boy Durlin loves a girl Durlin. They make a little baby Durlin and that baby Durlin is you, Chameleon Boy. But it gets really, it gets, it gets weirder than that, man. But go ahead and let's bring up your important point. It, it brings up a very important point in that the science of the 30th century United Planets is unable to tell that R.J. Brand used to be Derlin. Right. So whatever his transformation abilities are, he is indistinguishable from a humanoid. Uh, if we presume he's from Earth, from a human from Earth, right? Yeah. From his, yeah. They can't tell that he's not human. Uh, and that's because of his this son, disease that he had. Right. Right, but he had the Jorgian fever, which, by the right. way, uh, that's another one of those things where weird, mysterious plagues play very differently yeah, in the year 2021. Dogs. Yeah. But, ugh, I don't like that. Anyway, Chameleon Boy is still Durlin, which means Chameleon right. Boy is still basically uh, Jello in a, in a condom. He's, he's, you know, completely malleable. He's amorphous, right? Why... If R.J. Brand is genetically and chemically indistinguishable from a human, would his son Reap have any DNA that might help him? I mean, does Reap even his son have blood? No, I think uh, wasn't Reap born before uh, they caught the the Yorkie Yorkie fever? Sure, and but then, if he has, if he has, you know, the equivalent of DNA as a sure. as a. If he has the equivalent of DNA that is still enough like Reap's 
that you can say this will help him, wouldn't that imply that RJ Brand should not be genetically indistinguishable from a normal human solid? Yeah. So here's the thing. Or am I overthinking? Right. So so what we're doing is is uh, people at Earth they be racists, right? <laughs> so RJ Brand gets off the ship and he's in his human form. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they go up to him and they're like, okay, you, uh, you a human or are you one of them shapeshifty guys? And all he has to do is say, well, look at me, I'm a human. And they're like, yeah, you're right. You do look like a human. You don't look like one of those filthy Durlins. And they're like, please welcome to our planet. You're not wearing a purple robe. You don't got tentacles coming out your face. And so they welcome him to the planet. Uh, there's not never a thing stick that stick him in one of their little beds that go Dum. No, they, they don't ever put him in a thing that says, um, when he, you know, when he first comes to earth, there's never a thing where he's been, you know, like scanned and said, ah, we detect that you're part Derlin in there. Uh, get off our planet, you filthy alien. So yeah, what they're doing is just assuming that the, this guy is, um, is human. But then when they're doing the tests on RJ brand, that's why Marla is trying to find out who is the alien that is the son of R.J. Brand. Now, they may not be able to tell that it's Derlin blood, but they know right. that R.J. Brand isn't human. So what he's doing is he's trying to go back and find out, you know, who are all of these, uh, where are all these origin stories come from? Where do they cross paths with, uh, with uh, R.J. Brand? And then Brainiac's like, well, wait, if you just look down the list, you'll see that the only people that have caught the, uh, the Yorkie fever uh, besides Queen Elizabeth II <laughs> is uh, are are these are these Durlins and they're like wait a minute that can only mean one thing RJ Brand is a Durlin and that means that Chameleon Boy can save him and then Chameleon Boy's like I don't understand any of this which again if you're reading this you probably don't understand any of this let me tell you a story that might explain this once upon a time there was an actor by the name of Jack Nicholson okay now (laughs) Jack Nicholson's real mother uh, was June. His, his real mother's name was June, right? Yes. But June was like 16, 17, 18, something like that. When she got pregnant with the famous actor, Jack Nicholson, Ethel May, June's mother was so upset uh, uh, about this that she threatened Jack's real dad, Don with the man act, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, prostitution, taking kids across uh, state line, that kind of stuff, right. minors especially, and said, you better get out of here, you. And so Don hightailed it out of there, leaving mm-hmm. a pregnant, like, let's say, 17-year-old, maybe 16. I think she was like man 19, act. for one of us, wasn't mistaken. Yeah, uh, 18. 18 was how old she was. Yeah, there you uh, go. Okay. But probably when she got pregnant, she may not have been. Nine months and all that stuff. Right, uh, but anyway, anyway, because Ethel May, again, Jack's grandmother, was mm-hmm. all freaked out about what the public would think and the fact that June wanted to go and be an actress. Ethel May pretended that Jack was her son, her natural right. born baby son. Uh, real, you know, the uh, Ethel May's husband had already passed away. And so uh, Jack grew up thinking that June was his older sister, much older sister. Right. And Ethel May, for up until Jack was like in his thirties believed maybe even close to 40 believed that Ethel may was his mother, even though it was his grandmother and that June was his sister, even though it was really his mother. It was right after Chinatown 
became a huge mm-hmm. hit when it was getting ready to re- win all the the uh, reward awards that someone started digging into Jack's past to do a piece, I guess it was Time Magazine or something like that. And they found out and they were like, uh, Jack, uh, we hate to tell you this, but June, the one you thought is your sister is actually your mother. And the one you thought that was your mother is actually your grandmother. And Jack had to go and talk to his aunt, who he probably also thought was his sister, uh, and Lorraine. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, no, this is the real truth. And it freaked him the F out. Like, you know, like it, it would. probably would. Right. So if you're confused, yeah, having your whole life basically be something that you misunderstood. Yeah. If, <sighs> if, if you think, uh, reap is going to be normal mm. after finding out all this. Oh, it gets even better because not only does he find out that RJ brand, this human is his mm. father. He mm. also finds out that the person he thought it was his mother is actually mm-hmm. his aunt and that his mother is really dead. I have a sink sinking suspicion, Matthew, mm-hmm. that this story came out in 1981. Mm. I have a feeling, and I don't remember if this was ever reported in time magazine or whatever. Cause, uh, uh, Jack was like, uh, can you guys keep this quiet? I have a feeling it came out shortly after that. I have a feeling that, uh, Bridwell and Kupperberg and Jimmy Janes had all heard this Jack Nicholson story. And they wrapped that into our, our good friend, chameleon boys backstory. Um, I can't say that it didn't happen. I think it would be interesting. And if you look at the way Jimmy Janes draws his eyebrows, there is a slight resemblance between Reap Daggle and Jack Nicholson in that last panel. Yes. I'm proud too, sir, to call (laughs) you father. (laughs) Oh yeah, man. When those two uh, hook up and have their weepy moment, it's, uh, it's pretty sappy. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to call you son and I'm proud to call you dad, strange man. <laughs> I do like um, the fact but, that Reap but do you trust these Durlins? that he still thinks of G as his mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and really G mom raised him. Unless he's talking about biological mother, anybody who raises you, I think you can call his mom. It's just like when you have a stepmom, uh, or you mm-hmm. have a stepdad or you have adoptive parents that come in. Oftentimes kids will just say, Hey, this is my, you know, People understand that it's a stepdad, but the child still calls it dad or mom or whatever. So I think that that's fine that if he wants to, to go that route. Yeah, but this story also has something not similar, but comparable in Wildfire, who uh, was an orphan who was adopted. Huh? What do they call him? Wildfire? Yes. They call him Wildfire. Do they? Do do, do, Do they run call him Wildfire? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I missed the, my cue there. I'll pick it up out of the cellophane before it's gorgeous. But Wildfire says, oh, I'm an orphan. But then he says, I was adopted by this nice couple. Which, yeah. I mean, you, you know, can still be an orphan and still be adopted. He, right. And he, but he worried about his parents in 263, the same story where we saw G for the first time. Mm-hmm. But last issue or the issue before, he's like, I'm an orphan. I haven't got any family. I'm like, isn't that kind of insulting to the parents that raised you? Um, Even, you know, I mean, I mean, it can be, I mean, so, so here's, here's where, uh, and again, I am not, uh, at one time my wife and I were considering adoption. Um, but we had two wonderful boys instead. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are a lot of children who get adopted for a number of different reasons, right? Uh, it could be bad family situation, could be that the child was given up for adoption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 
In this case, Wildfire may consider his adoptive uh, family his parents, right? That he may have some legitimate concern yeah. for because Seems they were to raising him. Consider them not his parents, though. Well, maybe in this issue, and, and let me explain it in this way, because, and this also kind of uh, happens where adoptive families don't tell their kids that they're adopted. And then suddenly somebody needs a blood transfusion and they're like, no, you're not even the same DNA as your parents. And then the kid finds out that, that he or she is adopted. Um, the same thing goes true when there's an adopted child that has no idea or no way to track down their natural family. And they do need a transplant or they do need that kind of thing. So uh, from wildfire's perspective, I can see that he can say, well, I'm an orphan, which could be true, but he also has parents which is also true if he's adopted. And so he may not know his biologicals, but he certainly knows the people that raised him. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I now let me ask like you this. This story is weird. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's weirdly seventies about matters of adoption and, well, and again, you know, alternative parenthood, which but, I mean, granted it came out in what the fall of 1980, but even so, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, in the future of the Legion, you can have like three dads and four moms. And this is my half cousin Ford who shares two of the yeah, same I mean, mothers they, as me. I mean, if it has to be, I mean, family units are very complicated. And certainly one of the things that they're not talking about in any of these books for a long time is people mm -hmm. who do not conform to uh, binary sex, right? Uh, right. You know, sexual identity. Uh, they right. don't really talk too much about anyone, especially in the 1980s with Reagan in office. You certainly don't mention anything having to do with homosexuality. Um, Correct. You know, we don't mention any of those kinds of things here, which still kind of makes everything seem rather normative. And so when you get to something where someone is talking about uh, my parents are not my real parents, I'm adopted or your aunt is really your mother is really your father, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is still spinning out of Chinatown from, you know, eight, 10 years before, uh, eight years, probably 73, I think. Um, mm -hmm. and so I can still see, Ooh, that weird thing that you're, she's my mother. She's my sister. She's my sister. She's my daughter kind of stuff. Uh, really <laughs> kind of freaks people out. Um, when really, you know, if you don't know the, if you don't know what uh, Chinatown's about. It's about incest. Spoiler alert. Uh, but you know, it really, it really freaked people rights. out when that movie came out. Rights. Well, yes, of course. Who can forget the water rights? Um, but but so I can see that this being kind of one of those things that are going to be like, oh, wow, this is really going to shake up the status quo and really make people uh, see how complex and how complicated these Legion of Superheroes are. They're far more complex than those X-Men. <laughs> but I'm but so my other question that I've been trying to squeeze in here at this point. Do we trust Durland's? Because it's we still, at this question. point, at this point, we are introduced to, uh, you know, we're introduced to, to chameleon boy, who is this guy with the antenna and the orange and the Browns and all this stuff. And he's a very happy, jolly guy and he can change shape and he's super friendly. And then we discover, oh, wait a minute, this human has been walking among us all these years. And he's also a Durlin. And then of course we find out much later that, uh, the form that, that chameleon boy takes to, conform and fit in is also not his real shape. I mentioned the purple robes and the tentacles and all that stuff. I mean, that is something where it's like, man, how far can we trust these Durlins if they're always hiding from us? And then of course you have to ask the question, well, why do they feel they have to hide from you? Uh, right. Kind of stuff. What but have point, you done to frighten them? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this really should bring up a lot of questions, which I don't think it does at this point, but it's certainly gotta be food for fodder 
or for, you know, it's going to be food for thought uh, for all of the future writers of the Legion who then bring all of this stuff to the forefront and say, why are, why are the Durlins afraid of us? Uh, why are we afraid of the Durlins? And why did they have to go to such ex- extremes and xenophobia and all that? And then, of course, the rive, rise of, uh, what's his name? Earth Boy? Earth Man? Earth uh, Man. What, what's that guy's name? Earth, Is it Earth Man, Man sucks. Earth Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm well, saying. Well, I that call kind him of, Absorbency Boy because. Yes. Uh, but that's kind of where a lot of that springs off from, right? I mean. Uh, yeah. It, it all ties in that, later that on, xenophobia that, that can we trust them are they among us right now that yeah. actually isn't too far off for both chameleon boy and mr brand but uh, well and all, and all i mean i mean it does bring it up but it also goes into uh what did we just get done with the remake of um um body snatchers invasion of the body snatchers oh. was something that had just come out <laughs> uh what just a couple of years before i want to say like in 78 79 seven i want to say oh was it in 77 okay so it's it's not too far away and it's certainly probably playing on your local uh over the air radio state or tv station or on the cable if you were fortunate enough to have the cable uh and then of course you got the cold war uh where we are rearing the ugly head of communism again and saying you know who are the commies are they lurking among us is it you? Is it you? Or is it you? Could it be? Uh, so what'd you think? Uh, I, I've already shared my thoughts on all, th- all three of these issues uh, and where I think that they fall in all this. But what's, what's, your, what's your final thought on this? My big takeaway from this is that at this point, DC does not exactly know what the limited edition series, limited series format is best used for. And so since they did World of Krypton, which was all a whole bunch of backstory, I feel like they feel that these limited series need to be designed as kind of additional material, like addendums or appendices almost to an ongoing series. Yeah. Which does eventually change. And the limited series then becomes a thing in, in and of itself. But I think that happens honestly pretty much with Wolverine a couple of years down the line. Yeah. But, the bane of everyone's existence is the miniseries right now. <laughs> I do feel like it's interesting and the concept here has legs, but the execution is just so. I don't know. I, again, you got the MacGuffin, you've got the MacGuffin that's only there to set up this. Let's uh, give you the hero history rundown of, of all of these characters, the who's who, and that works. I think fine. Um, the revealing that RJ brand is really a, a, a Derlin and also, um, Reap's son. That's fine. That's a, that's a good third issue reveal oh, and resolution. Reap's dad. Reap's dad. Yes. Uh, yeah. or maybe his mother. We don't know. Um, so Two time is late. So yeah, I think for what it is, it's fine. It, it will be interesting to see how DC then takes this idea of the mini series. And in five short years, decides well if a if a mini series will work what happens if we do a series that is limited for the course of one year and we get the introduction of not only the maxi series with uh crisis on infinite earth but we also not too long after or right around the same time we get the watchman maxi series as well we're the watchman that wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for checking us out, Matthew. What did we uh, What did we uh, uh, learn, or what did we glean from the cube this week? <laughs> we gleaned from the cube something. I have no idea what any of that means. I think what it means is if you try and kill your cousin, you're going to die in prison of the Yorgian fever. 
There you go. I think we also learned that you can't trust those stinking Durlins. And more importantly, you shouldn't trust the Koluans because they keep changing their name all the time. Who knows who they are? Thank you so much for joining us. Please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. We're not able to do this show. We are not able to do this show without your support. Yes, uh, we can't do this show unless we have support from fine listeners like you and you and yes, even you. So head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. And until next time, I'm tell me again, lad. And I'm Brainiac 103.3 KJLS. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.